The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Well, welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am your host, Shane Kelly, and I am joined by two amazing co-hosts, but not my brother, this time around. (laughs) We have with us Nate Heininger. Hello, Shane. Hi, Nate. And the wonderful Laura Nash. Hello. And today we are going to be discussing a game that I'm really honestly excited a lot for the for the just just to get a chance to talk about this with you guys because i feel like there's a lot to say here um we're talking about the pathless an amazing new game from the giant squid uh company uh the the same group that brought you abzu which we absolutely loved not so long ago uh or maybe maybe it's been a few years um and published by annapurna interactive uh this game is a new well, how would you describe it? So, Pathless is a game that if you watch a lot of indie showcases, that the trailer's been everywhere, I feel like. Um, if you are uh, think, trying to place it, it's the one with the girl in red and the eagle running and shooting arrows. Um, it's yeah. available on uh, Windows, Mac OS. It's on Apple Arcade, so you might own it already if you're an Apple Arcade subscriber. But it's a little bit... um. It, it, it requires some decent hardware, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also get it on PlayStation 4 or 5, um, but it just came out in November. And the play, like the Pathless has been a really interesting one because it's like, it feels kind of like Forest Abzu in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And if you remember Abzu, Abzu is a game where, like these games uh, kind of in its lineage, um, because the 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 company Giant Squid was a breakaway from that game company who created Journey and Flower and you know all the way back in the day Flow and basically they they've been the the developers of beautiful games that kind of lean much more into style and experience than they do lean into like really hard hitting gameplay. Um, and so there's some interesting things that are evolutions here and, and places where it comes a little closer to maybe other things in the games industry, but there's still a lot of neat innovations. But let's start by just talking about what is happening in the pathless. What is why is there no path, uh, perhaps? Um, <laughs> so this one is a adventure game taking place on an island where a hunter dressed all in red, just as you mentioned, Laura, is uh, kind of washing ashore on an island where I think they say something along the lines of, uh, you know, the the world of the gods and the world of men is is close or touches, something like that. And you're going to try to dispel a curse that has been placed on these, what is it, five different gods? And as you do so, you're going to encounter the god slayer who has who has slain or or cursed these gods um and the the experience of playing the game is 
all centered around, I would say, two big things. One, the hunter is an archer, and there's this really excellent archery slash traversal mechanic that I can't wait to discuss. And then the second thing that is the other pillar of the gameplay is all based around your eagle companion, um, who helps you hunt these kind of corrupted spirits or gods. It's a really interesting take on an open world game. The thing that is the biggest divergence from all of those previous games I mentioned in its, its lineage going back to that game company and giant squid is that this game plays like an open world game. You know, it has, those other games are very linear. Abzu has a very clear path that you follow. And I think the idea right there in the name right up front is that this is a game that is going to be pathless. It is going to be an open world Mm. experience similar to those in, in the, in the tone, I guess, but very different in terms of how you explore it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's been a while since I've played Abzu or, or journey, but, uh, this game also just has straight up classic puzzles, right? Like mm-hmm. Zelda style puzzles. And I don't remember any of that happening in definitely not in journey, no. uh, but this has like road blocking puzzles that you need to solve in order to continue through the game, uh, which is, I think a welcome addition to, to this sort of the, this sort of game. I mean, honestly, you start off in a very safe place. If you've played any games by this, group before because you you show up on a shore you it looks gorgeous there's this really large architecture (laughs) elaborate architecture something i love about the series like abzu and journey is you you see a big thing and you know you can climb it which is not true about 90 percent of games like if there's a building you can probably go on top of it in this Mm -hmm. game um and that's just a good promise to always have but to me the big difference um is at times, um, I felt like uh, Journey and Abzu was a game about pacing. You go into a room, everything slows down because there's a current in Abzu, or you get mm-hmm. to go really fast in because you've got a wind in Journey, and it completely controlled the pace. In this game, uh, the mechanic is you're an archer, and you hit these little rhombuses, <laughs> diamonds, that's the word <laughs> Targets, that crystals. normal people use. These little yeah. crystals. You shoot that and you get a boost of energy. The coolest thing you get to do in this game is you can run, shoot, and you kind of like slide on your feet, <laughs> shoot, and you get to go much faster and just mm-hmm. zoom across places. Yeah, Or you can fly with your eagle. So this is a game that is like, all about your movement. Are you going to go super fast and, you know, very smoothly glide around almost like a, you know, a, I would say a snowboarder or something, or mm-hmm. are you going to take the slow route through with your Eagle gliding yeah. around? It, it's, it, it feels like that is the reason this game exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, two quick points. So one, uh, similar to games like journey and Abzu, this game starts out with a ton of, what felt to me incomprehensible cut scenes where it's like, all right, I, 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 I don't yeah. care. I never Very care much, about yeah. them. Cleanse the I, world I, from evil. Sure. None. Yeah. I know there's something going on and I'm certain that the creators of the game can explain everything, but when you're watching it, it just so much happens so fast and it's so large and uh, dramatic that like, well, I assume at some point I'll understand how all that, like what all that meant. Uh, but nah. secondly, your, your point, yeah, it, which, uh, you know, assume incorrectly. Uh, how many games could, could basically open with 
name of character, in this case, the last hunter, makes yeah. the journey to reclaim the light has, that has been stolen from the world. Please stop the bad things. Mm-hmm. There are three pillars to stop the bad thing, and then there are five pillars to stop. Mm-hmm. The hey bad player, thing. do you you? Hey player, save the world. Okay, got it. Yeah, On save it. the like, world. Let's go. Change the world from red, which is mean, to yeah. green, which is nice. Which is nice. Make it very nice. Um, also, the traversal mechanic that you talked about, Lori, I like. I love a game that, like, right out of the gates is going to be like, here's a fun thing. Here's the fun mm-hmm. thing of this game. And you're able to do it within the first, like, three minutes of playing the game. And I love that, like... It's almost, it was almost like a like a wow moment for me being like, oh, this is awesome. And it yeah. is fun the whole time, uh, which I also don't think you get that. Like you said, in the other games, like there is interesting traversal, but I, but I rarely found it like, you know, like, wee, you know, what you kind of get in this game. So you talk about that opening moment. So you learn you can move and then you kind of look around at the world and you see the little diamonds placed as these little uh trail drops of, you know, it's like cookie crumbs going off the distance. You're like, oh, I can go there, 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 and there. Even though it's kind of fake on the first tutorial island, (laughs) you really can feel like you can go anywhere. And that's the first time I was like, this is what they think is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the movement and to, to give as, as good an explanation of it as I can, because I want to get a talk about what makes it fun and and what makes it unique is you're, when you walk in this game, you walk just absurdly slow. Um, and it's actually kind of torturous to be walking as slow as you walk without having without having the 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 meter charged up that you charge with these with these targets. At any place in the world that you see these targets that you can shoot, the aiming is perfect and locks on immediately, which I think is key here because this is not a game that's trying to be a intense shooting gallery. This is a game about about momentum. So when you shoot these targets, the crystals, um, they charge up a uh, meter that you have. And when you have that meter full, you can hold a run button and then you can run. Uh, But on top of that, when you shoot the target, uh, your arrow will go out to it, but the energy is coming back to you from that target. And right when that energy reaches you, you get a little extra boost of speed. And the most fun uh, uh, thing about this mechanic is being able to really play with that little extra boost of speed because it's very timing dependent. If you if you let that catch you while you're maybe jumping through the air, um, it maybe triples the length of your jump. Or if you are firing this off um, while dashing across a field, you'll move that much more quickly. You'll move that extra bit of you get that extra burst of speed. And then combine that with the eagle. Um, a lot of the games that are in this lineage, especially if you look back at Journey, are about increase <laughs> the, increasing the number of uh, increasing the uh, the amount of like verticality that you can add and the and mm-hmm. uh, the amount of speed that you can add to your to your character over the course of the game, and then playing with uh, giving that to you and taking it away as a way of empowering and disempowering the character. Uh, in a way to give kind of a, an arc to the game. It's it's the discovery that I think they made with Journey, and now every game uh, that really wants to to kind of play in this kind of emotional space, like where they it's all about like a, a journey or a traversal of this big space. You know, they, they, a lot of games are playing with. I think it's the exact same thing we saw in a short hike. 
right? Yep. There literally are get little cubes that turn into feathers, which make you jump Mm -hmm. higher. And I wrote down in our outline, short hike feathers. (laughs) (laughs) There's a- You earn short hike feathers. (laughs) Yeah, you earn short hike feathers, you know, that let you flap, uh, let your bird flap an extra time, which leads to um, one of the- one of the worst examples uh, of what I, what I think is maybe wrong with this game, which is the fact that it has any text in it at all. Um, <laughs> Why is there And any there's a moment in this, this game, game where you see this text on screen. It, uh, press press X to perform a super flap, which will consume <laughs> a large number of flaps. <laughs> it's very oh. it's specific, you know. You need those flaps. Don't consume too many you know, of those flaps. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think this game, this game should have tried to hew a little closer to Abzu and Journey and the games that I think it it descends from. It needs less explanation than even we are giving it here (laughs) on this podcast and much less explanation than it gives itself. I mean, I'm a completionist in the terms like I, I like talking to the little NPCs and there's a lot of dead bodies running this beautiful world that you can go mm-hmm. talk to the skeletons. Um, and I would always like, there was a little orb around them saying I could go talk to them. I went and talked to the skeletons and they never said anything interesting at all. Yeah. And um, breath of the wild style, I cleansed a tower and it, you know, went and went from mean old infected tower to a beautiful pure tower of light. And I went and talked to the, my boy, the dead body on the tower. Cause I assumed I had, cleansed it and he was going to say something different then he just told me the same thing and i was like oh uh so don't get excited about the writing every single npc says something along the lines of um oh no the god slayer is about to kill me no he didn't even say that he was just like famine has come to our land (laughs) yeah (laughs) the bodies are so funny too because they'll be placed in situations where it's like oh i guess it's supposed to mean that like uh, the one of the previous hunters like you know, failed this traversal challenge, but some of them are in just like really low stakes things. Like really early in the game, there's a spot where you just go and you press a button, you grab onto a rope and it pulls you up. You're not even doing anything. It's you're just going over and pressing E or whatever. And it pulls you up to the, to the platform. Uh, There was no challenge to it, but at the bottom of it is a dead body. So it's like, man, one of these great hunters that like had failed before, just i guess slipped while holding onto the rope or something and and Mm -hmm. and died like not even a dramatic not even like a cathartic death they just fell holding onto a rope and let me say though (laughs) the number of dead bodies in this game this game is trying to present a seamless experience where you cannot die where like you get a setback you literally fall out of places. You might get temporarily yeah. infected. You might get sick. Like the screen might turn red. But you're never going to die in this game. They really want it to feel like a continuous experience. I I honestly really respect that. Like I did really poorly mm-hmm. on my first boss fight because my hands were tired. And it, there's a lot of vibration. <laughs> um, and it, the fact that they would just like knock me out a window uh, to slowly run back up with no... Um, power-ups anymore is my punishment felt so much better than if it had been like press a to reset so yeah sometimes like this seamlessness works in its favor other times it does not because when it tries to be like other games and give me dead bodies to investigate i'm like why did you why did you do this if i had just pressed a button and the dead body spirit was released to heaven i would have 
pressed every dead body in the entire game. But the fact that I got dialogue made me be like, oh, do I really want to go talk mm-hmm. to that guy? I guess yeah. there's an achievement. A couple things that I really enjoy the uh, just the arrow mechanic, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like Shane already set up there. There is no, it's not a skill based thing. You just hold trigger or click to fire an arrow and it auto aims and everything though. If you don't hold it long enough, you'll likely miss your target. It's like a power up. Uh, but I just love like the sound and the look of the arrows flying is fantastic. And that was a while when I first started playing, that was just like firing arrows off in the distance. And it just felt good. I- I've always been a fan of like archery games. And while there's no archery, like you're not doing like power and angle or anything like that in this game, it still just felt good to you know let loose a bunch of arrows and then two i love how they uh the mechanic you're talking about shane with um the boost of speed Mm -hmm. uh, they do really fun things where there's like a a jump that you would never be able to make but there are three of those crystals in the middle of it and you have to daisy chain your you you know you jump shoot an arrow it bounces you up then you shoot another one and it bounces you up and you can kind of chain together your jump and jump super long distances. And it's not like at least early on, it's not particularly challenging, but it is very satisfying when Mm -hmm. you pull it off. I love the combination of that with your bird because you Mm -hmm. get, once you get past uh, tutorial Island and you uh, get your bird, uh, you can press X to glide again, very breath of the wild. Um, but the trick is though, when you have your bird and you want to shoot, you'd like temporarily drop and you can shoot, but like you lose a tiny bit of drop, but then you get a boost. So it's a really fun risk reward mechanic because it does take a little time to aim. Um, so it, it just adds this extra layer where you can solve puzzles multiple ways. Like you could try to daisy chain or you could try to glide and shoot just one if you're bad. Like, I don't think a lot of games that feel as designed for like an archery traversal mechanic would build in this like safety net of the bird. Like it just feels like a, like a almost like a kids or an I'm tired track because <laughs> <laughs> you can still solve the puzzles slowly by gliding or you can do it. Man, I cannot wait for people to speed run this game. It's going to look incredible. So yeah, yeah the, the speed running in this game is going to be really cool because, you know, they're going to probably have all these ways to, do those big you know, chained out leaps uh, without having any of the upgrades, which, you know, the the little, none of the short hike feathers like we were talking about. So I, I'm very excited to see that if I can ever see this game speed run. This also feels like a game where speed runs are going to turn into like finding that weird nook in that mountain that like mm. you slot oh, yeah. through and you fall into like three levels below you and you win the game in three minutes. Like that has to be in this game. Yeah, I, I do feel like there's going to be a million categories, like get all of the feathers, get all of the, like solve all of the puzzles, you know, Yeah. no flying. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking because of the way all of this, this game works, it's going to be a very fast speed run because th- this is maybe the first under 10 hour open world Zelda style game that I have that we've found for this for this show. Um, I mean, at least in the Breath of the Wild era and and kind of mold. Um, yeah. This game took me about five or six hours to finish. Um, there's a huge amount of optional content. And the thing that I really like when they do this is it's really forgiving with these puzzles. I actually quite liked the puzzles. 
And in every area you had to complete, I want to say about six of them. And that's out of maybe like 10 or so. So it, if you if you had some of the puzzle, one puzzle that seemed like it was going to be annoying because it, you were going to have to drag a bunch of blocks around or something, um, you know, you, you didn't have to focus on that. You could do only the ones that you found quickly, or or so you were never you're never doing that that thing that happens in games like this where you're scrounging around and looking for like the last shrine or whatever. Yeah, that you have the one key, a small yeah. key somewhere. Also, yeah. a thing that speeds it up is you basically have this like press triangle for X-ray vision button mm-hmm. that's like turns the world into a heat map where things that you haven't done yet are red. It's so <laughs> helpful. I just mm-hmm. I I wish every open world, especially open world puzzle games like this, had some sort of button like this where you're just like, okay, I love open world as ne- as much as the next person does, but sometimes. I kind of want something to just tell me a direction to go in, mm-hmm. and this game has that, and I and I really really appreciated it. I mean, there's nothing else to do in this game. Like, you're not cooking, mm-hmm. you're not building resources, <laughs> right. you're yeah. not like trying to get an upgrade on your knife. Like, you're just solving the puzzle. Where do doing, I go next? I need doing to. I the know. Next yeah. Thing. While we're talking about that um, spirit mask vision thing that you have, mm-hmm. it's used in a few different ways. But I think the the impetus for that and the biggest the biggest reason for that is they designed this game very intentionally to have no map, no mini map, no like yeah. menu that you can pull up with a map. Um, and so uh, the the equivalent to that is that spirit mask. So when you put that on, it will highlight things that you still have left to do, things that are still cursed um, kind of on the horizon. And you can see some of those things like the towers through walls and things like that. Um, but then they really have figured out a lot of little clever ways to to make it work in, in different ways. There are things that are illusions and you can only like maybe walls that you, you can walk through if you put the mask on uh, and it's used in some of the puzzles. So I thought that was really effective. Um, I kind of still would like to have had a map, even if Mm -hmm. it doesn't show me where I am on it, even if it was just in a menu or even if it was just, you know, maybe a few times during the game, show me the Island from very high in the air. Um, Like that, that led to this very interesting, very different, like kind of lack of sense of, sense of place scale yeah Yeah. sense of scale one of the first um when you get past that first like small island and you go to the mainland uh you are in a temple that has a map of Mm -hmm. the new island on it and i should have took a screenshot (laughs) i took a screenshot too it's man-made you can walk around it there's a floating island above you that in the the world that they've created with like a ceiling, um, almost like a column that's been cut off and made into it, it's gorgeous. I loved this man made map, and I kind of was like, oh cool, they've got this map that like I can't I can't find a physical map on my digital thing, but I'll be able to get back to this room. And then I like flew out, and it was like, oh nope, that's on another island. I'm never gonna be able to make it back. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you would think for funny. a you would think for a game that is so bird centric there would be some sort of like top down view you get at some point let me send my bird up and let me see through its eyes or something let me see like down onto the overall map i i didn't really think about that while playing but i i I agree completely like it's definitely a choice to not have a map and they like you don't need it but i think for a game that is like this designed and this cool you almost just 
like your like your experience with that map you saw uh in the game like you kind of want something that's just like wow this world is big and there's all these interesting things i kind of want to look at it all at one time instead of mm-hmm. have to like and it, tra- i travel. feel like it's another thing they were like trying to get that seamless experience uh, yeah. which again is why i don't want dialogue in this game because they're doing so many they've gotten rid of so many things that feel like a game layer like there's yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a heads up interface. There's there's information available, but it's not like you can go to, you know, other than the pause menu, it's not like you leave the game world for any yeah. reason. You don't yeah. die. You don't have a map. So why? <laughs> yeah. And the game world is so small that like there's another. So I think all of this like is is very intentionally designed in this way. Like, you know, the, the game yeah. world is is really small and tight and you have this really excellent fast traversal system that is really fun to engage with so they can leave out all of this stuff like a fast travel system or mm-hmm. uh, you know a map uh, and and so that that aspect all really works well for me i still i still want that map though <laughs> yeah well we, we spent the whole first part of this episode sort of comparing this game to its lineage and the games made by the same company in the past mm-hmm. uh but when i was playing it like this really just felt way more like a, a 3D Zelda game than it felt mm-hmm. anything anything mm-hmm. like those previous games, right? And so I think they're definitely trying scratches that itch. To, yeah, I think they're trying to meld like what if there was a 3D Zelda game that didn't have all of the trappings of a Zelda game with like your five different potential weapons and you're like now I have this sword that I have to maintain or all the different things and like the 18 different maps and the compass and the, like, what if they strip all of that out and it's just like just the puzzles and just the exploration. Uh, And I, I mean, I think it works really, really well, but I think when you're playing it, you're, you kind of have a game that has its feet in two different, you know, Worlds. Pool worlds. Yeah, sure. Uh, Feet and worlds, feet and pools. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, your, Your feet are in two different things. And you find yourself wanting, like, you know, oh, the the bodies talk. Okay, that's kind of a Zelda thing. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more like a journey thing where, like, they don't tell me anything. They just float away, like you said. Oh, there's no map. That's more like a journey thing. Well, I wish it there was a map. It's more like a Zelda thing, you know, like, yeah. Uh, that, it's an interesting balance. That said, I did find some of the adaptations really pleasing um, because – you don't have any real powers other than like your movement. You can jump uh, and you can like, you, it's not like you can break a pot or drag a boulder over, but your bird can. And I, one of my funniest moments was like, we, I find a weight and you can call your bird over to pick up the weight. And my husband just goes, God, that bird is jacked. <laughs> I know. Like, it is a, it is a strong, strong bird. bird. They, yeah. it, it is, is picking up, up like a, giant person-sized weight and it's just flying around with it <laughs> i was like mm, yeah tough bird i love my bird put my bird down um it also has um i i did uh as someone who played a couple of the games on bird weeks where you have pets and things to do <laughs> and like you can pet your bird it was interesting that like the clean your bird mechanic was like move the joystick to <laughs> to clean your bird and i was uh, like it- i want this to feel better but I get what they're <laughs> yeah, the doing. Clean your, the clean your bird thing was was silly. Um, but, you know. Well, I, mean, I wanted you gotta, to be able to you, pet you its clean... head and wings, right? Yeah. I didn't want to just clean always have to pet for plot. I wanted to pet yeah. for fun. You you are allowed <laughs> to pet for fun, you know. 
Right, but it, it's the same like yeah cleaning mechanic, and I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to like ruffle its feathers on its head or like have it react to you and. Yeah, that yeah. that is. I mean, I appreciate anything that allows me to, um, you know, interact with my little animal companion. But uh, yeah, they, they they could maybe have done a little more with that. But uh, I thought it was really cute. You know, it's nice to have uh, this day and age. Developers are beginning to understand that if you have a dog or a bird, and you don't have a way to play with it in your game, your players will feel like they aren't treating their pet uh, as well as they could. So. Speaking yeah. of well, uh, beasts I mean, in this game, I, I really would like to talk about the bosses because I think there's yes. a lot of interesting stuff going on with the boss design. This is one of the moments where if you have played Breath of the Wild, you will have um, some flashbacks because they are kind of divine beastie. They are. Um, they're also kind of uh, Shadow of the colossus Um, But there's yes. something that they're doing that I think is really interesting. And that is uh, at first when you enter an area the the boss is surrounded by an enormous ball of evil red energy or fire. And so occasionally um, you'll just be sitting around doing a puzzle and you'll start to see kind of waves of 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 heat or or something kind of washing over you Menace. and very menacingly. And um, and oftentimes like this this thing will like literally notice you and start to pursue you across the landscape at, at kind of a clip. Um, and so you're being pursued by this truly gigantic red orb of energy. Um, and if it catches up with you and you get kind of pulled into this enormous red cloud, um, then a very odd sequence will happen, which is a stealth sequence um, where the boss arrives and as you're kind of pulled into this kind of red cursed energy, your bird uh, gets covered in red cursed energy as well and gets kind of chucked off somewhere and, and kind of and then you're you're in this kind of alternate version of the environment where there's a lot of weird stuff shows up if you if you're looking around like um, lots more dead people. Uh, mm-hmm. including some of them that are like levitating and like in the process of uh, like looking like they're frozen in, in the enactment of some kind of big battle or something. It's a very interesting look and it's this kind of stark black and red full of ominous clouds. Um, and your boss, the enemy is quite large and is going to be looking for you and is going to be kind of teleporting around. So in these sequences, you have to get back to your bird uh, without being seen. Um, and if you're seen, then it kind of kicks you some distance away and you kind of have to start over, uh, which is the the pattern with these bosses. But you get the bird back and then you can you can get out um, and kind of get, go back to whatever it was you were doing. Um, I wasn't totally wild about these stealth sequences. They kind of frustrating certain times. This felt like a hangover from... Uh, journey because they had the like underwater scene where like mm-hmm. the the light it, it it's the, oh, yeah. the light is of the beam is where you can travel and otherwise you can't. Um, I've done you know I did two or three of them and I was like okay I get this and but I did like the preview of that feeling because then when you actually fight them later you get back in this world, but you're consciously entering it. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of like this as like a premonition of the world you're going to enter when you actually fight the boss. Yeah. 
And actually, the thing I did really like about it is the feeling of being pursued across the landscape because it gives you a reason to move. I um, didn't realize until the second time that the big orb was moving. I thought it was going to be always centered until yeah. I got caught. And I thought I was in a completely different place and it was surprising. Mm-hmm. That's so really yeah, that, cool. that stuff's really neat. And, um, and then as you do the puzzles, you're con- collecting these uh, little, um, I don't know what you call those tokens, whatever they are. Um, and as you I was have- calling him, like he got little, little gold bricks, when, mm-hmm. which, which turn into feathers and he gets stamps, which, <laughs> which then you yeah. clear the towers with um, <laughs> little bird so stamps. Yeah. I want to get one of these bird, little stamps. bird stamps. Yeah. Collect your bird stamps and deposit are- them. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking of them as, as tokens, which you deposit into the like coin operated, uh, towers. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so you yeah, get it's weird. And- these towers have a mechanic, you know, like the bad guys built into it. Like, yeah, we can corrupt them. But if someone plugs a little bird token into it, our mm-hmm. corruption goes completely away. I don't know why they built that into the tower. Maybe they're like, maybe they are just the religious idols have been mm-hmm. removed because yeah. the goddess is Mother Eagle and the, you're getting like eagle heads. So maybe it's like you're putting the the cross back in the church. To yeah. purify it. Uh, like that's what I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, but I, that's good. I, I didn't actually come up to that until just now. So <laughs> hey, it's better with than all I the had. text in this game. Uh, they did not provide an explanation for it, what it is that you're doing for like 80% of it. But honestly, that doesn't matter. Like yeah. you're cleansing yeah, the doesn't. temple by doing a right. thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so you are cleansing the obvious. curse on the towers. Yeah, and that and that's that's what works terrifically. And I, I love uh the tower thing. This is the kind of i guess ubisoft style game thing that was then later copied by breath of the wild and now mm-hmm. everyone does it um which is like you're 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 claiming an area of terrain uh by taking over the tower um and in this case you claim three towers and then they shine down this holy beautiful light uh which fights off that kind of red evil darkness uh and then you go intentionally into the weird bubble of energy and fight the boss. And uh, when you fight the boss, um, how would you describe the boss fights in this game? So it's a multi-stage boss fight, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Um, the fir- You are the hunter, and the first stage of the boss fight is pursuing the beast. And it's interesting that the the boss, these these menacing beasts that have been pursuing you the whole time, you are chasing it and trying to shoot it multiple times to get to the next mode. So basically you have to pursue it until you injure it enough for it to face you head on, Um, which which is a really interesting mechanic because you have to be going pretty much at top speed to catch it because it'll actually run away so fast that the bubble will leave if -hmm. you don't catch it. So if you are not shooting enough arrows to keep up your speed and pressing that uh, Mm -hmm. dash button continuously hunting it down, it will run away from you far enough that you will have to basically start Mm -hmm. over. Um, So the first stage I'd say is like the pursuit. And the second point is when it turns on you and you have a more traditional like multi-stage boss battle where you're actually trying to shoot it before it kills you. It, It doesn't kill you. It'll throw you far away and you have to restart and it, and you move slowly and it's sad. But to me, it was really like, I enjoyed the fact that it felt like a continuous fight and that anytime I had a setback, it didn't kill me. It just made me like feel like I needed to take a moment in the corner <laughs> and then go back mm-hmm. in and 
guns blazing. It made the boss fights feel more like that felt more like a story than anything else in the game. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the boss fights. I, I do. Um, I don't know what the what the better alternative was, but it, when you when you have a, a boss fight that when you screw up just like kind of kicks you out of the arena and then you have to go yeah. in and do the exact same thing again. Um, that, that can be a little bit frustrating if you're running into kind of difficulty with it, which happened to me mm-hmm. a couple of times. I, I had a few times where I was like, Oh, come on, I can do this. I can do this. And, uh, you know, you leap in and then it's basically every boss fight, um, had, had those two phases that you're talking about. First is the chase. Um, and then the second is kind of, a a unique sequence of kind of combination of platforming and shooting challenges mm-hmm. um, to, that kind of went along with it. But the, the look of these boss fights was really good. Like oh, the, it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the pursuit is in this red environment and you're moving, you have to move so fast to catch up with the beast that it feels extremely cinematic. It feels really powerful. Mm-hmm. You feel like you are, um, like you are going on offense. It's funny. Like I haven't had that feeling of like, I am the aggressor in like almost no boss fight. Do you feel like the aggressor? It almost feels like you are playing defense and attacking because they are so much bigger than you. In this case, it's like, no, I am chasing you down. I am going to take you out. And then of course they retaliate. Um, and it, they're so fiery. Um, yeah. there's so many different, um, you know, it, it's a normal attack you know, three fireballs shoot at you, but the way they animate it is really spectacular. Mm -hmm. And the way they're really cool looking too. like the, 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 just the, the design of the bosses themselves, like the, the bosses are these corrupted kind of divine um, creatures. Right. And I don't think we need to get into like what all of them are and what, what they all look like and whatnot. But like, I think the first one or maybe first or second one you get to, I'm not sure if there's a prescribed order, um, is a, um, elk. It's like, yeah, it's like an elk slash, uh, bear creature. Um, Mm, but it has like six legs and like a really creepy hunched posture and like one weird glowing eye. And it's just a very cool, creature and it you know the whole thing is on fire it's it turns very cool. into an elk but is it's as if the antlers are the legs like that's what the corrupt <laughs> version of it is it's as yeah. if they took the antlers off the head and made it legs mm-hmm. and oh i was thinking really like disturbing looking and as you cleanse you know, these things they turn back into these beautiful blue kind of celestial critters uh, and so that's a very satisfying loop i honestly think this game um like I don't know how if you had added like two or three more areas to the game, like I don't know. How do you guys feel about we're always here talking about the length of games? Like, how do you feel about the the length and the amount of content in this game in terms of like, you know, should it have more more bosses, more of anything in particular? It's pretty good. If I I think it felt right if they weren't going to do new mechanics in the boss Mm -hmm. fights, because I, I do think the choice not to. Again, not to have the ability to smash pots or do other things besides call your bird. Like the the puzzle mechanic stays pretty interesting, but I, I think it would be limited. <laughs> like yeah. I think they, they went as far as they could with it. They'd have to add another layer um, if they wanted to make it, it longer. and Or they would just want to have like a different 
feeling sequence because the boss fights at this point didn't feel repetitive, but I feel like they could. If there were like more of them, I think I would have been like, okay, this thing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess you could like, you know, let's throw in a hub world and, you know, let's get some other, uh, you know, get, get some upgradables and some unlockables and let's just lean in on the Zelda thing. Now, yeah, I agree, Laura. I think the game feels dense, but it's also sparse enough that like they're, you need to expand it for it to go any longer than it does already. And I think generally, you know, like if you have decided to make your game pretty short, we're okay with that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like more of the stuff that they could have, like they do have um, like the Korok style time challenges where like you go into a, a wall of butterflies and then a little ticking timer shows up and you have to get to another area. There are those kind of challenges. It was all Korok challenges. Yeah. Yeah. There were just basically, (laughs) there are tons of little Korok challenges all around it that were in addition to the other puzzles. And I feel like that's how you flesh out this game. But if you don't, if you just want to do the big puzzles, like generally if you go to any big building in this game, it's going to be a big puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the smaller buildings have like interesting stuff too. And it's, it's fun to wander on the architecture. So if you liked that part of journey, like the kind of slow crawl, if you're looking at all the art in Abzu, like that's fun to do in this game. I, I don't think adding more islands and bosses and towers is what I would want more of necessarily. Mm-hmm. Just cause I don't think that those puzzles don't, they didn't wear out their welcome, but I feel like they would. So what was it that you guys played this game on? Because um, I had a really good experience running it, um, but it didn't sound like that was universal for everybody. It didn't sound like it worked that well on everyone's hardware. So I tried briefly opening it on my uh, the iPad Air I have for work, and it kind of was like, it, it looked like it was going to be unhappy. And I... I also wanted to play it on my projector. So I ended up running it on my work laptop, um, which is a MacBook Pro, uh, hooked up to HDMI to the projector, and it was on the absolute lowest settings. I actually even turned down the resolution um, because I had it at I had it on every low setting and the resolution appropriate to my projector, and I ended up turning it down one degree and restarting the game. And then I looked, I mean, it, it didn't, it, the game at a lower resolution still looks pretty fantastic. Like some of the beautiful uh, gods, I could see like little, you know, scaly vector <laughs> lines, which, but I, I knew I was consciously taking it out. Uh, that's on a, like, like a tiny MacBook pro not built for gaming. Probably if I play this on a PlayStation, I would be fine, but I was surprised because I'd played Manifold Garden on that machine before and had no problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which which also had had problems thing I've had air. So I know it has like the biggest list if you download this on an iPad or iPad Pro of things it just will flat out not run on. But um I, I'll say like I consciously degraded my visual experience to have a more seamless time. And it was fine, but it, it was a compromise. I had a similar experience, Laura. I actually, so I, you know, was playing this game for a little while and I was looking around being like, man, this, like, this game feels like it's beautiful, but my current experience is, like, not, uh, you know, very blocky and chunky and, like, kind of laggy. And I, and I'm playing on a 2020 MacBook Pro. 
again, I know we're a gaming podcast and we're playing these games on like not great gaming hardware, but I would still expect a a game on Apple Arcade to run pretty well on like the most modern Apple computer. Uh, and uh, they built this for PlayStation Five and then back made it for Yeah, you can tell. And you so I actually that. I tried to up uh, I tried first I tried to increase the graphics. I was like, man, I really want to see what this game can do. I, oh yeah, it, and it chugged in that first cutscene. I turned up the graphics, and then I immediately had to turn them off. <laughs> it crashed. I couldn't play it. I upgraded. I put the. Uh, uh, I tried like five different iterations of like, okay, maybe I'll turn up the environment, but I'll leave everything else low. I'll turn up uh, texture, and I'll leave, and nothing would work beyond yeah. the lowest setting on everything. And then even then, I didn't think it looked that great. Like I think. If you can play this game on any of the consoles or on like an iPad Pro or something like that, I would absolutely recommend playing it there mm-hmm. because it it was still fun and I definitely enjoyed and recommend this game. But I think if I were doing it again and we weren't doing it like for the show where we have pretty quick turnaround time, like I would really have considered like just waiting until I had a PS5. Or uh, buying it at least on like PS4 and just assuming it would still play better than it did on my MacBook. Yeah, and I think they do a pretty good job. Like if you have environment depth set to low, like they they the comp when they are taking the graphical compromises, I think they do a really good job of like making the gameplay looks. It, it's funny the gameplay feels better than the cutscenes because I think they they really paid attention to if you need to take those settings down the the gameplay feels very good it's just like when you get to a cutscene, you can tell they like compress the hell out of that every, file yeah yeah, yeah. Which, which is funny like almost every game is the opposite so i, I i'll take it mm-hmm. yeah for sure and so yeah i'm trying to like balance this because i know you know we're we're both saying that we didn't play this on like the best gaming hardware so like your mileage will vary but it just seems like it's not it's like if you want to play it on your computer, you're going to need like a gaming specific rig. I've just seen like I have had games play spectacularly on my computer. So I was surprised. Yeah. Me too. I, I, I've I mean, had I, gorgeous games play on my computer. Yeah, so I, I was a little surprised. Yeah. yeah. For what it's too. worth, I played it on the iPad Pro. And um, although it's not a great game for touch screens, uh, I did have a controller and it played really beautifully on the iPad Pro. So um, that's a, that's a good piece of hardware for it. I, I definitely agree with you guys because I tried playing it on my Mac and it really, really did not run well there. So yeah, it could be just that specifically, like it's been optimized to run well mm-hmm. on the newest, uh, tablets, uh, just, and, and just not at all on even the, cause my, my laptop is like brand new and of the higher end of the MacBook pros, and it was like trash. So, you know, yeah, it, it is I what it they is. They really did yeah. for um, my limited knowledge of Apple Arcade is they are asked to work on the newest devices on phone mm-hmm. and tablet. Yeah. And yeah. Mac is also on Macs. But, <laughs> but it, is, it is like, please make it like it needs to look great on the iPad Pro in the Apple Store. Yeah. It needs to look great on the phone in the Apple Store. It does not need to work on the Mac. They're required to run across all the Mac platforms and I'm I just struggle to imagine how an Apple TV could run this game. Oh, it will not run. Like I no, can't imagine no way. an Apple TV. I mean theoretically it's it's available for Apple TV, yes. So 
Yes, it, it has to work on Apple TV. If anyone out there yeah. has this on Apple TV, tell me, please, how horribly it runs. Is it just polygons? <laughs> what is, yeah, what, what even will it look like? Because uh, yeah. this game, I mean, it's beautiful, but it is not, like, super intense in terms of polygons or, um, yeah, like, I, I, like I think it's just the intensity like that. that you move through the yeah. environment because mm-hmm. you're moving at such speed through it. Like, you're moving at sonic speeds. and it needs I was about to say, quickly. you're Sonic the Hedgehog around here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you... But the thing is, those you also need to be able to walk through that slowly. So, like, all the detail has to render again at two speeds. So it's not like they can cut corners because you're just going to be dashing your way through. So I get the problem. I, I completely relate to it. I just kind of wish it, um, it... It is always sad when you enter a beautiful game and then all of your settings say lowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just feel like, oh, oh am I... Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I so I don't have a PS5 yet. Um but I, I I really think I'll probably get this game again whenever I get like a newer console and I want to play this game like max out. Like I want to I, I just think it would be such a a better experience um, and, and probably worth it. We've been through multiple like console revisions and things like that with this uh, with this podcast. Like five years ago was what coming out coming into the current console generation and we're now we we've gone through an entire console generation and we're now hitting a point where the the tools that we've been using for a long time are not quite what they used to be when it comes to like a lot of these new newer games so uh, i am definitely eyeing a gaming pc much harder than i have ever before yeah I, I we that is something that I think we have talked about some on our Discord. All of us just starting to lean a little bit more towards like maybe it is time that like game like at least if you're going to play it on a computer like Mac is and Apple is like actively getting away from building uh, computers that can handle this sort of stuff and games mm-hmm. are getting just so much more uh, dense and uh, you know and beautiful. So yeah, I yeah, agree. It- it, it's it's a funny thing because that's not normally what I go to games for, but in games that are about the environment and the, the mood and the atmosphere, uh, you know, it, it's like I, I am a person who loves watching movies in very nice high resolution. Yeah. And like I have a projector screen so I can see them in their full glory. And like I, I when something is beautiful and large and in depth, like it, it feels different. So like yeah. it's not because I want to be able to have um I, I I am a weirdo who doesn't buy nice things for a triple A game, but I'm like the pathless maybe or like Ori is why I was like Ori, yeah. the blind planet would look really good. <laughs> well, like, yeah, totally. My like my favorite and almost the the significant majority of my gaming at this point is on the Switch and handheld. So oh, like yeah. mm-hmm. that right there should show like I don't generally care that much. But when a game when you can just tell a game like this, it's like, man, I, I really think if I was playing this on a big you know, screen that's running it at its if not its highest best quality. But yeah, it, not even highest quality, but not bottom bin lowest. Like I just <laughs> I feel know, like it yeah. would make it would make the experience so much better. And I, I was surprised. To low to standard. <laughs> yeah, right. I was surprised that I didn't have access to that even with a brand new computer. Yeah, so. I, I was very. I was sad that I had to take my 
resolution down. Um, yeah. But but that said, like it did run very smooth. I had barely any load times, so yeah. that was all helpful. Well, to conclude, we already mentioned for this game that it is available on a variety of different platforms, but uh, that is, to summarize, Microsoft, Windows, uh, PlayStation 4 and 5, and then the Mac and iOS devices through their Apple Arcade service. So uh, this one coming coming to us from Giant Squid and Annapurna, uh, two big names that drew me immediately uh, into this game. So after after we talk about games, um, one of our traditions on this podcast is to spend a little while talking about the great things that are going on in our lives outside of the world of gaming um, in a little segment that we like to call What's making us happy this week? Uh, I have something that's been making me happy for the last few weeks that I would like to share with you all. And I don't know how much setup this really needs, but uh, one of the problems in my media life right at the start of 2020 um, was the disillusion of my favorite food YouTube channel. Uh, and for good reason, uh, the, mm-hmm. the 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 terrible... <laughs> Uh, yes. the, the terrible revelation of bad practices uh, t- taking place at uh, Bon Appetit, uh, who had a really fabulous YouTube uh, channel for kind of just general kind of cooking and uh, kind of fun videos. But it turns a out huge it was fan run of Claire by, and yeah, Claire's you know, stuff over here. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, so the the Nate's mentioning uh, Claire yeah, Saffitz, but- who is uh, the personality behind Gourmet, gourmet makes, makes, where they would make these gourmet versions of uh, junk food or, or processed food. So they'd make a you know fancy gourmet Doritos and things like that. Um, well, one of the one of the people who was actually my favorite, although she was almost never on camera, she was always the highlight of any video she would be in, uh, was uh, Sola Alwaley. And I I was a big Sola fan then, and she was kind of wrapped up in, in the one of the big points in the kind of call out of, of this uh, channel was based around the fact that she was in most of the videos she was in, she was clearly the most knowledgeable person and a delight to see on screen, (laughs) but never the star. And apparently wasn't being paid like the, like the stars, even though uh, she was truly the workhorse of, and and the genius of, of much of the channel and their content. Um, So she has gone on during this, the pandemic to kind of do spots on a lot of other people's different channels. And they've all been really good. I've kind of continued to follow her, uh, to the kind of binging with Babish channel where she was doing some really interesting uh, videos where they kind of put certain unusual challenges to her. But my favorite thing and the thing that I want to tell you listeners to check out is on a different channel, the uh, channel I've never watched before. Uh, they, they have a website, I guess, uh, Food 52, where she's doing these videos called Off Script with Sola. And these videos are really, really good. They're exactly the kind of cooking video that I really, really like, which is videos that aren't about like, you know, gimmicks or personalities, although, you know, she's great as a personality Uh, They're And they're not even about recipes. They're about learning a like general 
rule of thumb guide to making something that you can you can really mix and match. That's kind of the name off script. So um, there have been uh, three of these now, and they're each one of them have turned out really, really great. Like the first was um, making like a. Uh, a greens dish that like I've done so far with collard greens. And basically you take any greens, any pasta and any kind of bean and follow the you know rough instructions in this video. And you're going to have a really cozy, hearty, delicious meal. And another one was uh, chicken and rice that you can make basically any way you want. Uh, just following these instructions on, you know, uh, how to how to riff around the idea of chicken and rice. Here's all these different ways. And in the videos, she'll make it like two, sometimes three different ways, uh, but then give you lots more ideas. So I've been doing a lot more experimenting in the kitchen. Uh, it is really happy for me to see her landing on her feet. And it's really excellent to see the content that she's putting out here. It's really good stuff. So I can't wait to watch these. We've watched all of the Stump Solo series on the Menu that sounds great. channel. And like... To be honest, this is how um, we've wanted to cook is you want to cook like a chef. You want to be able to see a bunch of ingredients and turn it into dinner. Uh, that that seems very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so all one is pot so stuff is another thing that's super good about it. <sighs> that's the dream. We, in a studio kitchen, one pot stuff is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to love these videos. Wonderful. Nate, what's been making you happy? Yeah, so um, Molly and I, we will definitely go in phases where we like watch a ton of TV and then we won't watch anything for like months. So I've been, but so we're in that cycle of watching a bunch of TV right now. And uh, we've been watching a lot of the stuff that everyone else is watching. And some of it's already been talked about on this show. Things like uh, The Great was awesome. Uh, and then obviously like uber popular Mandalorian and whatnot. We've been enjoying that. Um but one show that we watched recently that I have not heard talked about as much that I wanted to recommend is called Truth Seekers. I think mm-hmm. it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is made by uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. So oh, really? if you are a f- if you're a fan of those two, then you will enjoy this show. And I didn't even really know that it existed, despite being a pretty big fan of those two. So it follows Nick Frost and uh, a couple other characters are Wi-Fi installers in <laughs> uh, in England, and also are uh, that run a YouTube channel about uh, as paranormal investigators. And uh, it they start to uncover some things, and the show starts out relatively sort of serialized, like, here are these characters, and, and uh, um, or formulaic, like, these characters, oh, here's a paranormal thing, let's figure it out, solve it, and move on. Uh, over its eight episodes, it becomes much bigger, and by the end, it's uh, it's a awesome coming together of, like, nine different storylines. It's, it's really, it gets better and better. When we first started watching it, I thought it was fine. I mean, I'll watch anything that those two do, uh, and I'll enjoy it. But it starts out, it's kind of weird. It doesn't really, you know, it's like part comedy, part, like, paranormal. So it, like, kind of blends the two, and sometimes it's not as funny as you'd like it to be, and sometimes it's not as, like, spooky as you'd like it to be. But it works when you get through all of it. So I definitely recommend watching it. 
uh, particularly if you're a fan of those two. But even if you're not, like, I think it works and it's worth watching. So it's called Truth Seekers. Uh, it's only eight episodes uh, and it's great. So check it out. That does look super fun. I love those guys. Yeah, uh, they how, could how be. Did I miss this. I didn't know about it. It could yeah, be. I never I, knew this existed. Same, right? So that's why I wanted to talk about it here. So, uh, you know, my my bar for those two is pretty low, but I really think that this this is worth your time and worth watching, especially if you're also if you're just into like, you know, spooky paranormal stuff. It was good to watch. Uh, you know, we were. I think we were watching it uh, more back in like early November around like Halloween and whatnot. So it kind of fit that whole vibe, but. Um, Check it out. It was it's it's good. Oh, also Malcolm McDowell in, is in it. So uh, which <laughs> okay, it's, it's, yeah, I love like, you yeah. had me at hello date. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So that's a great other casting. Uh, so yeah, so check it out. Uh, Laura, how about yourself? I'm also going to recommend a TV show that I didn't uh, realize how much I was going to love it. Um, so Netflix has a really bad habit of. Um, having original series come up and then not recommending them to me, even though they are tailor made for me. And that is what happened with teenage bounty hunters. Stay with me <laughs> because I thought teenage I, I don't, bounty you, don't, hunters, you don't have to worry about it. That title alone has me yeah, with you. So. so someone said, Hey, if you're a fan of season one, Veronica Mars, but not the dramatic parts, you should watch teenage bounty hunters. And I was like, what, what is this? So the premise is uh, there are two twin girls who are uh, go to a private high school, a religious high school in Atlanta. And at the beginning of the movie, uh, at the beginning of the TV show, the TV show, um, one of the girls is losing her virginity to her boyfriend while quoting the Bible because <laughs> they're supposed to be saving each other for marriage. And I was like, interesting take. Um, like, including the Lord is my shepherd, thou shalt not oh, watch. And you're like, um, because she's trying to convince him to have sex with her, even though they promised to save themselves <laughs> from marriage. Um, so the next scene, they're driving their dad's car and she's talking to her twin sister and tells her, and they're so distracted by this conversation that they hit another car. Uh, turns out that guy was on the lam and they've nailed the bounty hunters and it, it, they coincidentally have all the skills because one is an excellent shot because her dad's taking her hunting. The other one is a lacrosse player. <laughs> like, so these two twin girls end up being the assistants to Bowser, um, an old, uh, older black man who runs a yogurt shop is with the bounty hunting office in the back. So this is a show where they took literally every attribute they could think of and gave it to their lead characters in a good way. Like there is a show where the the mean bad character April has the line, "I'm not a fan of sex workers, but they deserve to be safe, just not allowed to vote." Um, <laughs> um, okay. Um, because she's a, uh, you know, or and she's supposed to be one of the like super conservative people. Where um, there's a scene where they go into a strip club and they keeping like, you know, yes, your your bodies are temples. This is glorious, and it's it's not. Um, like it's one of like what if they were Christian, but they were both extremely woke and feminist and like, um, you know, there's jokes where the mother they're having um, dinner or brunch with their conservative grandparents. And they're like, for this brunch, climate change is not real. That kind of joke. Um, mm. But it's not as heavy handed as I might make it sound because with all of this, like Christian right jokes, the girls are really sweet. They're very loving. They're very uh, protective of each other. 
all of the cases they go on are um, interesting and funny and smart. I feel like this is like the joke density of the show is extremely high. Uh, and I was not expecting it. Um, well, this is way too interesting a show for Netflix. Apparently they were like, oh, it's COVID. So we're just canceling stuff. But the people who've seen it all are seem to be rabid fans. So I'm hoping that they might lift that in the future. Well, Laura, I know I can always count on you to recommend some good, horny, funny shit. And that sounds That's like. That's exactly what it is. Like, <laughs> this is like sex education is like never ever. It's like funny, horny teens, but these are different kinds of funny, horny yeah, teens. Yeah. And uh, they just want to, uh, you know, run a bounty hunting thing out of a yogurt shop so they can repair their dad's truck. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, I love like Veronica Mars, so you had me with that recommendation. But uh, yeah. yeah, sounds sounds ridiculous and uh, worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it completely passed me by, and I uh, it made me very happy this week. Nice. Already canceled, though. Sad. Well, Already canceled, but honestly, I think there's hope for this. A lot of things mm, got yeah. canceled in COVID because it costs like 200% more to shoot stuff during COVID. Yep. Yeah. Um, but the showrunner um, has a second season outlined. So I think it, it doesn't seem like an expensive show. It feels like one that might mm-hmm. actually get picked up. Well, I'd like to just say thanks to you both once again for joining me again on this uh, fine, fine podcast. Uh, thanks to the not present Reagan for being the founding creator of the podcast and the guy who's going to have to edit this mess. So thank you, Reagan. We very Um, much appreciate that. But even more so, I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our patrons on Patreon. Without you guys, it would be much more difficult for us to make this podcast. Your contributions really make it possible. Um, And it's also with the help of those patrons that we're able to plan and execute this podcast through our Discord, where we talk about episode ideas, ask for questions, talk about upcoming games, and just sort of generally figure yeah. this thing out. Or, like last episode, we bring them on as guests. You know, we've had multiple people from the Discord end up being on our show. So, uh, absolutely. Get in, get in there, get in the Discord. We'd love to get that. in the zone. The fun it's such zone, a nice place to hang out. It, it is. is a very, I love Let's our Discord. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I love our Discord. It's so nice. We also love to get game recommendations just from anybody who's willing to throw it into our contact form on our website. Our site is theshortgame.net, where you can find our entire back catalog and uh, search through it and find those sweet game recos. You can find the show on Twitter at underscore shortgame. I can also be found on Twitter at 8BitShane. Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Laura, where can people locate you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. Thanks and have a nice week. <laughs>